Journey to Organization, Episode 60, The True Cost of Storage. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman, advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Be Gone, personal organization. And as you may or may not know, I run an online course called Conquer Your Clutter. You can check out more details about Conquer Your Clutter and join the waiting list at RebeccaSaltzman.com. Now, the reason that I'm talking to you about my course is because this week uh, I... I had a talk with one of my students. Now, I schedule one-on-one time with all of my students, um, and I encourage them to do it with me at the halfway point, to meet with me at the halfway point, so that we can get past any issues or hangups that they might be having at the halfway point. And I just want to say, by the way, that my students are doing really, really great this time, and I have an almost 100% completion rate so far. Baruch Hashem, I'm so excited about that. So. This week I met with one of my students who lives here in Israel, though many of my students do not live in Israel, and I asked her if she had a machsan. Now a machsan is a storage unit. Um, It's typical in Israel to have storage units, and she answered yes, and I went on with my conversation with her, and I didn't really think anything of it. Now usually in Israel the storage units are at the bottom of the building. So on the on the floor level, oftentimes buildings are on stilts and so there's small rooms and there's parking in that area. Um, and so builders maximize the area and make storage units there. Or sometimes they're in newer buildings, they're oftentimes on the person's floor in a separate closet outside of the apartment. And sometimes people have something called a boydum, which is a bulkhead loft type storage space. Uh, It can be difficult to access. I actually have one in my house, and the only thing that's up there is suitcases. And a friend of ours, he's he's a student, um, and he stores a bunch of stuff there too. Um, I never go up there. My husband goes up there just to take out the suitcases. Um, The thing is, is that the student, she has a few kids. They're all the same gender, and she's saving clothing between the kids. Now, I think some of you know my feeling about saving clothing between kids. But anyways, as our conversation progressed, she said that she has to drive to her storage unit. And I was like, what? What do you mean? And she said that the storage unit was about a 10 to 15 minute drive away. So this was shocking to me. Firstly, because I didn't know there were self-storage units in Israel. Uh, And secondly, when she told me the price. Now, the first thing is, is... From what I found out afterwards, there aren't self-storage units in Israel, unless if someone knows of one, please let me know. Uh, But she had rented someone's private unit, and the price was 350 shekels a month. Now, at the current exchange rate, that is 98 US dollars a month. That's 42,000 shekels a year, uh, 4,200, I'm sorry, 4,200 shekels a year, which is almost 1,200 US dollars. In a year... That is a lot of money. She told me that she would probably need the storage unit for five years. So in total, that would be 21,000 shekels, approximately 600 US dollars. Now, I don't know about you, (laughs) but I feel like that's a lot of money to spend on storage. Uh, That's not pocket change for me. Uh, Maybe it is for you, but it's not for me. Now, 
I felt like for that kind of money, I would rather donate all the stuff now and buy it again new when I need it, which is not what I'm recommending here, but it theoretically makes more financial sense to do that. Now, in America, there are more than 50,000 self-storage facilities, okay? So that's more than Dunkin' Donuts, Subway, and McDonald's combined. <laughs> Just a little side note, I love Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> there used to be, or there still is, a kosher one in Riverdale, and I love the coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. That is really a lot of storage units. So the thing is, is that I asked her what she was storing, and she explained to me what she was storing. She said she was storing the clothing from kid to kid. She was storing suitcases, heaters in the summertime, and in the winter and when she was ready to use the heater, she would swap out fans with the heaters. And to me it seemed like really a lot of money for what she was storing and what she was paying. So the two of us, we made a goal that she would try to eliminate most of what she was storing so that we could at least share the cost of the unit with someone else or that she could share the cost of the unit with someone else because, you know, she would have more room in the storage unit. And I, you know, acknowledge that storing fans and heaters can be kind of bulky. Um, and we said that the, we would try for the ultimate goal, which would be to reduce the amount of things she was holding on to in the house so sh so she could have enough room to store these things potentially in her house. Now, she doesn't have a huge apartment and she doesn't have a ton of storage space, but I found that a lot of the space that she had in her home wasn't really utilized properly. And so we made a plan uh, so that she could utilize the space a little bit better or a lot better, actually. I suggested that over the course of five years, she could save clothing between her two older kids who are closer in age, but suggested that after the middle child was done with something, she pass it on, um, you know, in light of the fact of what it costs to store it, because it was still cheaper to get new clothing or secondhand clothing, which of course I understand is more of a hassle, but I always feel like there's gonna be a friend or somebody else who's willing to hand down clothing to you and that you'll always really have what you need. Now, maybe for those of you who don't actually have a storage room that you pay for, maybe it's a room in your home, you may be thinking, how does this apply to me? And the thing is, is that these same processes still apply to you. Now, I always have these conversations with people. I have the room to store the clothes from kids to kids, but, you know, how should I do it? What should I do? The thing is, is even if you're not paying for storage in your home, it still costs you something to store all that stuff. Maybe it costs you, uh, you know, in worry or irritation or the time that it takes to organize it. But it probably also costs you because you have to go buy bins and boxes and sorters, right? There usually is some financial cost to storage, even if it's not that apparent. The thing is, is that also every single piece of real estate or every part of the real estate that we pay for, whether we rent our homes or we own them, has a value. So if you consider your total square meterage or footage of your home and 
think about how much it costs you per square foot, there's a real cost assigned to every single inch, centimeter of your home. And it might not seem like it's worth that much, but when there's stuff cluttering up your space, to me, in my mind anyways, you want to make the most of what you are paying for. So even if you're not paying, you know, straight out for a storage unit, there's definitely hidden costs involved to storing things in your home, which you're already paying for. So... I think a good example of this is uh, garages. (laughs) I'm curious to know how many of you have garages. You can call me and leave me a voicemail or send me an email. How many of you have garages that are too full to fit your car? Now, your car is worth thousands of dollars, okay? Even if you have like a jalopy kind of car, it's still worth a pretty good amount of money. You have a room designed to hold your car, right? A garage. And it's full of other stuff. And the total value of the other stuff, the total cumulative value of all the stuff that you're storing in the garage probably doesn't even reach the total value of the car, okay? And, you know, it costs us money when we don't maintain our cars in a good in a good way. There's more wear and tear on the car. There's more likelihood that the car will be damaged. Oftentimes it costs more to insure a car that's not garaged. So there are other costs. They might not be apparent, but over time, these things cost us money. And so basically we are swapping our garages for um, stuff that really doesn't bring us any joy. We're not using it most of the time. And we can't really protect the thing that we are actually using. <laughs> so it doesn't really it doesn't really make sense to me why we would continue doing that. And I think the point that I really I really want to bring home is this. It doesn't matter if your stuff costs you actual money to store it or not. There's always a hidden cost. So there's, like I said, there's the worry, there's the physical stress, there's the time it takes for us to keep us tidy. And then there's the money that we spend again on bins and boxes and sorters just to help us keep all the stuff organized. And we think that we're saving money by storing it, but are we really? Let's not even mention, I mean, we haven't even mentioned, but let's mention it. What about the time that we lose actually tidying all this stuff up and taking the time to organize it in the first place? I mean, my time is valuable. I think your time is valuable too. We never seem to have enough of it. It's probably one of the complaints I hear the most. How can I do this all? There's never seems to be enough time in the day. I don't have enough hours. When are you supposed to sleep and eat and exercise, right? And the thing is, is I think that we spend so much time on our stuff. If we spend a little bit less time on our stuff, we would find more time for other things that we enjoy and want to do in our day-to-day lives. How much time does it take you to organize at the end of the season swapping the clothes from kid to kid? It takes time. Now, it definitely would take time if you had to rebuy the stuff again. I'm not saying that. But think about it 
from this perspective, what if you only had enough clothing for your kids to get through the season? And this is a less true with babies when they are going through clothes at a more rapid rate because they're growing more. But let's talk about a child who's five or six or seven, who's not really growing quite as fast as an infant or, you know, a newborn or a baby. Uh, these kids are their clothes usually last them for a year, sometimes two. What if you only bought enough clothes for them to wear in that year so that at the end of the year, all their clothing was worn out and there was nothing left to pass from kid from one kid to the next kid? What if you did that? I mean, think about the time that it would take you to buy more than what you need or not even necessarily buy it, but what if you got it in hand-me-downs? A lot of people are happy to get rid of their old clothes. I don't think most of us care that our kids are wearing hand-me-downs. I mean, we're doing it from one kid to the next. And for there are some ladies who call me up and say, oh, but my kids wear matching outfits. But like, ultimately, is that like the most important thing out of this? I mean, maybe for you it is. For me, that my kids are matching is not necessarily the ultimate goal for me. Um, but even so, if they have two Shabbos outfits that get worn out by the end of the season that we're matching, then, you know, they're worn out. <laughs> no more kids are going to wear it. Like the, the clothing's still going to be matching. So that's sort of what I, I really want to emphasize is, is, is what's the cost? I mean, there is a cost in time and money and, and supplies and resources that it costs us to actually store these things. And it seems sometimes like these costs are hidden. And in a way, they are. <laughs> um, but I mean, to me, it's mostly the most important thing that I think is the time that we lose that we can never get back. And let's not even consider the time we're spending like on the organization aspect. What about the day-to-day -day tidying? You know, it takes time. So you say to me like, I have room for all these toys. Who cares that I have them? Well, if your kids take out every single toy that you have, are they gonna clean it up? And even if they are, do you have to supervise and ask them to do it 16 times? Or do you do it yourself? Or at the end of the night, are you spending 30, 40, 50 minutes cleaning up your house every night just so it can get destroyed the next day? Like, it's true. When you have small kids, toys get taken out. But like, the more you have, the more you're storing, the more it's going to need to be tidied on a regular basis, the more you're going to have to worry about putting things away. If you just had less in the first place, you would worry about it less. You would spend less because you wouldn't pay to store it and you wouldn't have to buy storage pieces to store it either. So I think you can see where I'm going with this. I think there are lots of hidden costs to storage not just the outright 21,000 shekels or, you know, 4,200 shekels that this person is paying, this student of mine is paying per year. And by the way, I just want to say I spoke to my student and she gave me permission to talk about this. So just in case anybody was wondering. Um, but that's a lot of money. I, I can definitely think of a bunch of other ways I can spend 4,200 shekels. Um, that's like half of a Pesach vacation <laughs> here in Israel. And I would way rather go on vacation than, you know, worry about storing my stuff. And that's the thing. To me, it's a cost analysis. What's more important to you, the stuff or the experience? And to me, it's always going to be the experience. It's never going to be the stuff. And it was funny because my husband just um, took a business trip to Moscow. And he said to me, 
what do you want me to bring you back? And I'm like, nothing. (laughs) Don't bring me back anything. (laughs) I don't want anything. And he was like a little bit shocked. And he's like, but you know, you're going to be mad if I don't bring you anything. I'm like, no, I won't bring you. I won't be mad. And he went to like a bunch of touristy shops and he took some pictures of, uh, of some of the things that, you know, he could buy like Russian nesting dolls or I don't know, candies or whatever. And I was like, no, do not buy any of that. (laughs) I don't, I don't, I don't want it. Like we don't need it. Like you have these pictures in your phone from like remembering your trip. It's not even a trip we took together. So I definitely don't want anything from there. And even when we do take trips together, I feel like it's the experience that I feel happy with at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, no one can take away my memories from me. And to me, those are the important things that I am creating memories with the people that I love, not worrying about storing these physical memories. And uh, that's, that's what I hope shifts for you in this conversation is that it can't always be about the physical stuff. And I don't think that um, Judaism is really meant to always be thinking about the physical stuff. I think that it's somehow where we're lost in that way where we're always thinking about the physical and the physical stuff is just overwhelming to us because there's just, there's too much. And I think that when we can step back a little bit and say, whoa, I don't need this. I don't need to pay to store it. I have enough. I'm satisfied with what I have. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to cut out where you're wasting money or time. Now, in this case of this student, I, I just want to sort of wrap this up. I definitely think that there are ways that she could save space with the items that she has. So besides for not saving between um, between kids, obviously, Okay, if you travel, you need a suitcase, right? But there are suitcases that are more uh, smaller than, that's not really good English, sorry. There are suitcases that are smaller than others, uh, that weigh less, that are easier to store. Sometimes they nest in between. I personally like to use duffel bags when I travel. We each have a carry-on bag. We usually only travel with a carry-on bag. Sometimes we bring back a little bit of extra stuff. In that situation, I usually put the carry-on bag inside the duffel. The duffel bag was anyways folded in my bag because I do know that usually when I travel, I come back with something extra, Um, especially if we go to America. That's usually when I buy my kids clothing for the year. So I buy them two sets of sneakers and I buy um, like maybe a new pair of shoes for myself because it's really hard for me to get shoes in Israel because I have enormous feet. Uh, (laughs) um, So like definitely we are bringing some stuff back with us, but not really as much as most people are. I think nowhere near close to what most people are. And oftentimes I'll just put my carry-on bag right inside the duffel bag and then I still only have one bag. Sure, it's a checked bag, but still. Um, But yeah, I mean, going to America, we definitely only travel with carry-on bags. And everybody's always so surprised. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, we're going to a place that has a laundry machine. Why would we, (laughs) when we go to visit my parents or my in-laws or our friends, everybody has a washing machine. We can always do a load of laundry. Like, why should I bring so much stuff with me? And anyways, I don't even have that much stuff to bring with me. So (laughs) it's not like, you know, but anyway, I digress. The point is, is that I think that we can all make better choices when we are purchasing um, with 
in terms of size. Now, uh, fans and heaters, you know, it's not really negotiable, like I said, on the size of those. But um, if we make enough room in our home, maybe they're not obtrusive if, if the heater's on the side of the room all year long. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe that's not the end of the world. So just sort of think about that from that perspective. I, I just, I want you to really just understand, like, we have to measure what is the real value of keeping someone. Is it worthwhile to keep something? Did I say someone? I meant something. What is the real value to keeping something? We have to measure if it's worthwhile. And when you are measuring the worth of what you're saving, you know, think about other things that you may have that might be able to do the trick for you in, in, in that item's stead. And if if you have something else that can do the trick, then donate what, you know, you don't really need because it will help somebody else also. Um, I just want to say this. If you do feel that you need some in-person help decluttering, please feel free to reach out. Uh, and for those of you in the U.S., I will be there on the East Coast in August, and I would love to come and help you declutter or speak at your shul or other organization function. So please reach out to me if you would like uh, me to speak or if you would like in-person help decluttering. I want to remind you all to use your personal ma mantras and remind you that you've got this. You are organized. I got some great feedback on mantras last week, but for now, I'll remind you of mine. I always say to myself, Hashem is taking care of everything for me. I repeat it to myself over and over again. I take deep breaths and close my eyes and remind myself of that constantly uh, because it's true and I don't have to worry and I can spend a lot less time worrying if I feel like a higher power is taking care of it for me. So practice your mantras and again, please feel free to let me know what they are. I wish you all a great week. Thank you for listening and happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.